This week, we want to continue on our message series as the best year ever and talk about fixing broken relationships. You know, so often we struggle in our yearly um, adventures because of broken relationships in our life. You know, as a kid, one of my favorite memories was going to my grandmother's house and playing cards. I loved playing cards with my grandma. Her name was Grace, but she did not reveal any of that when we played cards together. She did not. You know, her goal was to win. She never allowed you to win. She was never going to go easy on you. And when I played cards with my grandmother, I learned two things. First of all, you, could have, you had no control over the cards that were dealt to you. But the second thing was, you have all the control in how you play the cards that were given to you. And that's what matters more than anything. And the same is true in life. In life, you have no control whatsoever what cards are dealt to you. You really don't. Yeah, you do have some control with the choices you make, but you don't have control over the cards that are dealt with you. But what you do have is how you play those cards. How you respond to the circumstances of life. Because this world can, throw, can deal some pretty difficult cards to us. And I know we've all experienced that in some level. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John 10, verse 10. He said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus said that he has come to give life, but not just life, life more abundantly, life to the fullest. But the thief, and the thief is the devil, rips the joy from under us. His desire is to rip all that joy from our life. And rather than experiencing the abundant life that Jesus has promised, many of us find our lives overwhelmed with shame and bitterness and fear. And so much of this is rooted in broken relationships. Please make no mistake about this. God created us for relationships. That's what we were created for. And for some of us, we struggle with moving on to experiencing meaningful living because of the cards that were dealt with us. We just feel beat down with life. And then the choices that we make or that others make around us just has this huge effect on us. And please know this, every choice you make in your life has a consequence attached to it. Whether good or bad, positive or negative, every choice you make in life has a consequence attached to it. And most of our, con most of our choices have what I like to call collateral damage. It brings pain and hurt to the people in our life and the relationships with those that we care about. And we just compile it upon each other. And in these moments, how we respond makes a significant difference. How we respond will either bring more brokenness into our life or it will reveal healing. You know, we tend to respond one, or two, one of two ways. Either we respond in ways that create more pain and just create more problems or we respond in ways that reveal grace and forgiveness and guides us towards healing. But so many of us are living in broken relationships and beaten down with life because we are caught in the crossfire of poor responses and collateral damage. But at some point, you need to break out of that. You need to, to make the next right choice. 
Paul puts it this way in Romans 12, 21, when he writes, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, I've mentioned this before, but how we respond in the circumstances of life that we face matters. It matters. We cannot always control the cards that you are dealt with, but you have every control in how you respond with it. And let's be honest, sometimes, sometimes we don't play our cards well. We don't. But we do have the ability to make the next right choice. You know, what we often do is we react with evil, trying to tear the other person down. But if you do that, if your response is evil, trying to win the next battle, to try to beat them down with your words, your actions, I am guaranteeing you that you will never win. You will never experience the hope and the grace and the abundance of life that Jesus wants to give to us. Because evil never wins. Good always trumps evil. Every time. That's where it begins. It begins with good. You know, this morning we're going to do our message a little bit differently. I have a special guest, a special friend that I would like to invite to the stage with me to share his story. You see, Dan Bull is a walking testimony of God's grace and forgiveness in the wake of bad choices. Dan and I, our relationship began a few years ago in what was the renovation of this building that we now meet in. You see, at that time, he worked for a construction company that was providing a bid for the renovation project. It was actually the company that we ended up choosing to renovate this facility. And Dan was a part of that team at that time. And I believe, as Dan and I grew in our relationship, that God brought this together. It was bigger than the renovation of, of, of the building. It was bigger than brick and mortar. God had something in plan. God had a story to tell. And God was working in and through Dan Bull's life. And I want him to come and share his story, how we can learn from his story of how we can really fix broken relationships. I want to invite Dan to the stage. Welcome to the stage. <laughs> Dan, it is so good to have you here today. And I really appreciate you braving the weather and uh, the cold to come over to this part of town to, to be here with us this morning. And, um, you know, like we, like we kind of highlighted, you have a difficult past a little bit. But, you know, before we get into that, I mean, the, the things that you've shared with me that, that we've talked about that you said we can, we can journey today with is, um, you know, you graduated from high school with high honors. You were a straight-A student. You went to Grove City College where you uh, mastered in mechanical engineering. While there, you met a, a fine young lady who became your, your wife. You, you married your college sweetheart. Um, you grew up in church. You went to youth group. You were active in youth group. You were doing all the right Christian things, so to speak, and uh, going down that path. And at the age of 24, you started your own business, and life was just booming. Life was really going for you. It just seemed like everything was going the, the right way. You were making good choices and things were falling into place. So what happened next? What's all this hype about? Uh, well, uh, I guess I didn't get invited here to talk about all the good. Right? <laughs> um, so I, those are the cards to what you were saying I was dealt. I was dealt just the best hand. A wonderful, supportive family. Father and dad um, giving me every opportunity 
I could imagine it. I was healthy. Um, I could learn. All these just things. Um, and, and with that, just one win after the other. Uh, but I wasn't learning integrity. I thought I was. And when I was at that, that peak, basically how you lined it up, beautiful family and this business at a young age, I started getting tested. Tested in ways I had never been tested before. It was all new. I was given a great deal of responsibility. And I took pride in that. So just a few short years later, after things going so well, they started going very poorly. And I was ill-equipped, and I was too prideful to ask for help or make the tough choices. The tough choice being, we need to lay people off. I'm sure there's people here who have been in that situation. I could not bring myself to lay these people off. And so I stole to keep a facade of success going. But it wasn't about them, it was about me. I didn't want to be seen as a failure. I didn't want to lose. That, that stealing eventually led to a conviction of fraud and incarceration in a federal prison. And so at that moment, it just seemed like everything was crashing down. Everything that you worked towards in life, um, you stole from some close working relationships and close friends to, to make this the appearance of every, you, you still had things going in the right direction. But you just didn't steal from them. I mean, you stole from your wife as well. What, what happened there? So when, um, when you're not being faithful in the small things or in business, it's likely that you're not being faithful in your personal life. So just as much as I was taking what didn't belong with those who were closest and trusted me the most to keep a company going, I was taking what I didn't deserve and breaking you know, the covenant of marriage through adultery. And all came to light at the same time. It just seemed like bad choices were compiling. Bad it choices. just kind of came all together. And it's not just your wife. You had two daughters, too, at this time. That everything, it seemed to be, everything was being lost in this moment. And, you know, it seems like in our life, that's what happens. We just compile bad choices upon bad choices that just build, and it just beats us down. And, you know, even the Bible says that our sin will find us out. You know, and eventually if we're not honest and open about it, it's, it's going to destroy us. And it was destroying you in that moment. But, you know, we've established now that you've made some pretty significant mistakes in your life. You know, committed a, a felony um, and in a, a federal prison. Um, you know, you lost your wife. She, she ended the marriage um, while you were um, going through this, while you were in prison. Um, because of what you, you stole from her and being unfaithful to her. You've lost your kids and just the collateral damage that this did to them in this whole journey. And there's a lot of collateral damage to that. But, you know, the great thing is in your story, that's not where it ends. And that's really what we want to talk about because it's so, it's, it's too easy to allow our past mistakes and choices to define who we are and become our legacy. And that's what many of us do sometimes. We make bad choices and we get overwhelmed by the consequences and then we feel there's no way out or we assume there is. So we kind of throw in the white towel and we just say, okay, that's who I am. That's what, that's what defines me. That's my life now. But we don't have to allow our past or our past choices or the damage that was brought to us or passed on to others through us to define who we are. 
you know, your journey from that point on is a journey of grace and forgiveness and a path towards fixing broken relationships. And that's what we really want to talk about this morning because in different levels, we've all experienced that pain. And the heart that we want to get after is how do we fix broken relationships? How do we take those steps? You know, the path towards that has some really important action steps. And the first action steps towards fixing the broken relationship in your life is the move towards reconciliation. At some point in your journey, you need to make that for, take that first step. That has to come from you. We can't just be sitting around hoping that in some way it's going to happen. It won't. You can't be passive-aggressive with reconciliation. You need to take those steps. And Jesus taught this. He lived it. And our first response should always be to move towards the reconciliation in our life. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You know what I see the beauty of Jesus' words in that passage? Here it is. He's saying the most important thing in your life is your relationships. Your relationships are everything. And if you're coming to worship me and you know there's issues and unresolved hurt and pain in the relationships in your life, those are the most important things. By worshiping me, you're going there to fix those relationships. That's what you need to do first. You need to take those steps. And so, Dan, in your journey, you've highlighted the mistakes and the collateral damage that your choices made, made on the people that you care about in your life, friends, your spouse, your children. And then it was time to come out of, out of the incarceration. And sometimes coming out is just as difficult as it, as it is as going in. You know, because then you have to face it all again. So talk to us about what it was like for you to face it all again, to begin that reconciliation process. So the, the reconciliation, just as the first thing that had to happen before I was even in a place to make the bad choices that I had made is I, had to dis, I was distancing myself clearly from my faith. So for reconciliation, the first thing that had to happen for any of this was I, I needed to reconcile with the Lord, and it was hard. He, he's the easy part. The hard part was I knew all of this truth. I was trying to also understand who am I, because 24 hours before I made each of those decisions, if you would have asked me if I would have ever stolen, I would have told you completely, honestly, what I thought of myself, never. Or before I allowed myself to enter into the temptation of an affair, never. I believed that, and I knew that, and so it was, who am I? What's going on? So when I'm now alone, and I knew I deserved it, and there's this knocking of, of forgiveness, I didn't, I didn't feel like I deserved that. And so it was a long time going through the Scripture and allowing grace to enter my life because the shame was just a wall preventing me from making anything positive come out of this or seeing or even allowing myself to hope. It, it felt helpless. So before reconciling on the day getting out, I had to work through that. 
And thankfully through scripture and through the stories of David and Paul, Saul, well, if God can use them, these stories now were finally alive where I saw myself in the sins of these characters. If they can be used, this is possible. In fact, I'm, be, I'm just making more bad choices if I let this continue, if I let the pain and the evil to continue. And so that restoration process started the next phase. And so what was the next phase? What, what happened? So I'm released and I knew I needed to start doing things that were really uncomfortable and outside of my norm. I was, I was always putting myself in winning positions before, at least I thought I was. And I need to start putting myself in some uncomfortable, humbling positions. And so I started doing these things, which I really didn't want to do because I didn't want to feel like that person who had made all those terrible choices and hurt those people. But I started asking victims if they'd be willing to meet with me so that they could hear an apology, not just for me, but for them. And I was doing it to honor God because I didn't want to make that clear. I wasn't that smart. I just knew that was an important step for me. And one by one, people started saying, I'll meet with you. One of those victims being the owner of the company that eventually renovated this church, which how you and I met. Yep. The owner of this company was one of the largest monetary victims. And after a conversation and an apology, him accepting the apology, shortly after that, he offered me a job, understanding the struggle I was under finding employment in the company that I had once stolen. <laughs> These are impossible things I could not have predicted or even hoped for, but they were, they were grace in action. Absolutely. Those are just impossible stories. And the other thing, not just with the, the business side and the, those, the friends that you had in the business side of things, but at home, you know, you lost everything. Um, you know, you stole from your wife and, and, and that relationship ended and there was a divorce there. But as you came out, you know, that process, God took it down a, an interesting journey of reconciliation that eventually led you back to remarrying and, re, and, and reconciling that relationship. How did that happen? So that's impossible too, like really, really impossible. Um, it's a miracle. There's no rule book here other than it would not have been possible if it had just been up to me or up to her. We wanted to honor the Lord. It didn't start as a healthy conversation about remarriage. It started as how are we healthy people to provide a good future for our daughters? And we're doing so into, in honoring God. And I wish I could say that I was brave enough to write that letter. Actually, she wrote that letter don't know who you are. I don't know what this, these years have been like for you. But if you're in a good place, I want to figure out how we can have basically a healthy divorce. She reached out to me. Um, that was her seeking to honor God and protect her girls. Um, I w remember all of these scenarios that I would build while going through incarceration and so on, wondering what my life would be like. Each of these things I'm sharing, I didn't allow myself to think about because I just felt that's too much 
and, and too hard. What about my in-laws? The collateral damage was so many people. How could, how could I ever be around them? Where I treated my father-in-law's daughter the way I would never accept my girl to be treated. This, the empathy was crushing. So to go through this and now share that we found restoration, it's not us. And God didn't do it for us, we know, because he wanted us to be happy and together. That's the result. He wanted to be glorified. And so we put ourselves you know, here to share this with you because if you surrender, God can be honored and one of those lies that will never be as good or you'll never be happier, that, that is a lie. A choice of love for her and I, knowing the worst things about one another is somehow the most secure relationship we've ever had. That's awesome. And I think you raise a great point that's, that the mistake we tend to make is in broken relationships, we try so hard to fix the relationship when all we do is tend to compile the pain and compile the hurt and just make it worse because, like you said, that's not the relationship you should be primarily focusing on. The more that you run towards Jesus and if two individuals are running towards Jesus and making that relationship holy and right and good, let God do his work. And then God brings the reconciliation. But we try so hard to fix this when all we do is butt heads with each other when really I need to focus on me and if they focus on themselves towards Jesus, he guides it together. Yeah. He brings it together. And that's a great, great testimony of God at work and just allowing grace to happen. But we can't overlook too, you have two daughters that were a part of this picture as well and the collateral damage in their life. And sometimes they, our children become the... Um, the innocent victims, if you will. So talk about your reconciliation with them. So they were so young. My youngest, Lydia, just born when I was gone. And Bella, uh, the oldest, uh, you know, two and a half. So they didn't know me. And I was so afraid that, you know, that they didn't know me, that this is this is going to now be this place where They'll never have a connection or we'll never have that daddy-daughter bond. And I was, I was afraid of that. More, more lies. You know, coming back in to their life, there was just this pocket of love preserved waiting for daddy. Even knowing all of it, just waiting. That was just... It was like God saying, I told you, I promise, I promise. Honor me, I, got you. I, have, I have you well cared for. So it, there's, there's just a truth there in, in that process alone that um, I see as such undeserved grace. Absolutely. And your story, what it challenges me, and I hope it challenges everybody here, is you had to take those steps. In the process, it all begins with our movement, our movement towards reconciliation. You know, we have to have the right heart. It's not self-centered. It's not about me. It's not about what I want to regain. It's about I want to move towards reconciliation because I want to honor God. And if I strive to honor him in those steps, let him do his work. Let him do his thing. Trust him enough that he will come in with his grace and love and rework it and, and do what he needs to do. You know, it all centers around our response. 
Our response matters, and it all begins with love. You know, we need to control our response with love. It has to start there. The center of our steps, the foundation of our steps needs to be love. You know, love is not revealed when we cause more pain, whether it's intentional or not. It's, it's just not. You know, sometimes we unintentionally cause more pain in, in the lives of people we care about, whether you realize it or not. Love is revealed when we simply allow good to win. When we simply allow God to work within our hearts and through our lives. You know, the Apostle Paul in his Romans 12 writings wrote this. He said, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. You know what I see with this verse that just, gravi- that just gravitates towards me? And that is this. Evil and good, you don't create it. I don't create it. We don't create evil. We don't create good. These things simply exist. It just exists. But you know what tends to happen? The question is, which do we cling to? In our response, we tend to either cling to what is good and making good choices, or we cling to evil choices and beating people down with our words or our actions or whatever they may be. And so in your life, what do you tend to cling to in how you respond to the cards you're dealt with? That makes a significant difference in your journey. You know, love is revealed through empathy. Love is revealed in the ability to understand walking their shoes, being vulnerable enough to let people in and to see reconciliation happen. You know, Dan, what did this look like in your, in your journey as you became vulnerable, as God transformed your life? So I really represent, with all these mistakes I've shared, you know, I really represent someone in your life that maybe has hurt you. And so the love I got to experience was from all of these people who, who had been hurt, just graciously allowing closure to happen. They, they, they let me have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And they let themselves have the opportunity for closure. What no one expected in this, and this is where God's love comes in and pours in, is that actually there would be a, a restored friendship with such brokenness. You know, these individuals are now dear friends again. That's impossible. It wasn't out of the intent of trying to go that far. That's just been the blessing. But it's, it's been taking the steps on both sides. Of course, both sides seeking to honor God that allowed this to happen. This, this, this is love. This is showing one another love. But love isn't when it's easy. Love is when it's hard. That's when you know the, what type of choices you'll make is when it's hard. And what's amazing is if we don't allow love to win, what will win is bitterness and anger and all the things that bring hurt into our life. And that's the path of love because love is revealed in action. Love is re- uh, revealed in making those steps. Truth is revealed in action. And truth is, is what you ran towards. You know, the truth of Jesus and his hope that he gives to us because love comes in the reality of forgiveness. You know, because if forgiveness doesn't happen, then we are beaten down and we're broken. 
you know, one of the most important responses of love is to find the ability to forgive. At some point in our journey, we need to find the ability to forgive. It all starts there. And forgiveness happens in, in a wide range of ways. We need to find the ability to forgive ourselves. We need the ability to forgive others that may have hurt us through the process. And we need to find the ability to receive forgiveness that other people are trying to give to us. All of those tend to be sometimes roadblocks in our journey of fixing broken relationships. We either struggle with forgiving ourselves or we struggle with allowing other people to forgive us or we become a roadblock at trying to forgive the people that have hurt us. You know, what did forgiveness look like for you, Dan, when you were going through building those relationships back up? So what forgiveness didn't look like was that all of a sudden those things didn't happen, that there isn't long-term conversations and damage that will just have to be slowly restored through action. That's a relief. Mm -hmm. If you're going in saying, you know, forgive and forget, forgetting's hard. Forgiving is important, but work through. So for many of the relationships, though, we, we're restored, you know, sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes it, it comes back up. And when, when God's got it, when it's when you're trusting in the Lord to, to help these situations, it actually takes a tremendous amount of pressure off that process because it just goes back to the start. Do what's honoring him. Say the words, be, you know, say the words that are honoring the Lord rather than react. Because sometimes I feel, you know, we've come so far and then things will come back up. Of course they will. Not having the expectation that that's not going to happen, but also being able to respond with, just patience and, you know, go through it. And if you take that pressure off, then forgiveness just feels a little bit more obtainable. That answers your question. Absolutely, it does. And here's the hard part. You know, Paul even wrote in Romans 12 that we are to strive for peace as long as it depends on you. Here's the reality of what Paul's words are there. Peace is not always possible. Truth be told, you can do, take all the right steps, do all the right things biblically to restore the relationship, but that other person does not desire to take those steps, whatever the reason may be. And you have no control over how they respond. That's not your problem to worry about. You allow God to do his work. You know, you do what you are required to do to honor him by the steps you take and allow God to do his work. And I know you've told me in that process of, of trying to um, meet with those people and offer um, an apology and, and try to begin that, that journey of restoration, there's someone who still to this day refuses to talk to you, refuses to offer, your for, offer any forgiveness because of the hurt that they've experienced. So how did you deal with that when, when that person doesn't want to take those steps? So first I get it. Not, I mean, they're hurt. Um, and what I try to be careful of is when I, think of when I think of that situation that there's still a lot of anger, there's, like there's still an enemy, right? Um, I have to recognize that I'm forgiven and I am you know, perfectly and wonderfully made in the image of Christ. And so to allow that to remind me that that door needs to always remain open 
Um, it's, as long as these broken relationships are out there, you're, you're always kind of dancing around these moments that'll bring back a memory and you'll feel like that person that's wronged someone again, or for the victim, that memory, and you'll feel like the fool who was tricked before, as long as that's dangling out there. So, you know, protecting yourself, being willing and open when the opportunity comes. Because God does all this. I have done nothing. The restoration is God's. He put it on the hearts of those who wanted to meet with me and accept forgiveness. I did not. It wasn't my email. So knowing that that journey, that's, that's a completely separate path that you have no control over, again, takes the pressure off a little bit. Because you can only do you. That's great. And we need, to, we need to take those steps. We need to allow God to work because forgiveness is really God's pathway and God's working within our own hearts because if we don't allow forgiveness to happen, as we already mentioned, our hearts will get ruined and it, and it will just bring destruction into our life. You know, all of our relationships have a tendency to have conflict in it and conflict is a necessary component in any relationship. But the problem is we don't always know how to respond or deal with the conflict that we are dealt with in our relationships. And so we allow the conflict to separate and to destroy us rather than properly using conflict to make the relationship even stronger. Even, even it's written in Proverbs, you know, as iron sharpens iron, you know, so one man sharpens another. And what happens when you rub iron together? It creates a spark. And the reality is this, you want to have a sharp relationship Conflict is a necessary component within that. And if you don't learn how to deal with conflict, you will damage the relationship. But if you learn how to deal with conflict properly and biblically, you will have a sharp and amazing relationship in your life. And Jesus gave us a pathway towards having healthy relationships and dealing with conflict. In Matthew 18, look what Jesus says. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as they would a pagan or a tax collector. What Jesus gave us, the pathway towards healing and dealing with conflict in your life is number one, what we've been talking about. You have a conflict in your life. You need to take the step to that person and sit down and have a healthy and real conversation to try to talk it out, to try to work it out. You need to engage that. If you're not and you're just talking behind their back or, or casting blame or, or shooting accusations at them, biblically speaking, you're wrong. You're wrong. You need to take the steps to find reconciliation. And if that doesn't work, if you tried the one-on-one and it doesn't work, then Jesus says, then you bring in someone with you. Someone who can be trusted and work in that conversation, almost like a mediator who can help you and that other person work through the conflict. And maybe that mediator will kind of help you. You know what, Bill? You're wrong. You're the one acting like a fool or whatever it might be, to work through the process. But if you do that and it still doesn't work, then Jesus says, then you go before the church. You go before trusted, mature followers of Christ that can come together as a group. Here at Impact, we, we have a practice with the elders if you need to, to take it to that level to work that process through because 
then they can provide themselves as advisors, the, that trusted group of mature followers as, as advisors, and point out you're wrong or you're wrong. You need to do this, whatever it might be. If that still doesn't resolve the problem, then, then the, Jesus says then you need to treat them as they would be like a, a pagan, like they're an unbeliever, that they need Jesus, that you need to move in that direction. You know, but we need to move towards that. We need to take those steps. Now, I know some of you may be sitting here and you're thinking, Bill, this is all great. I mean, Dan's testimony is unbelievable. I want to have reconciliation in my life. But let's be honest, Bill, to, to take those steps, to re-engage that relationship just means abuse. That person physically abused me or mentally abused me or whatever it might be. And can I just be clear with you? Going down the path of restoration and forgiveness does not mean you re-engage abusive relationships. If that relationship is abusive, God doesn't want you in that. That's where if peace, as long as it depends on you, peace is not possible if that person's going to do that to you. It's not worth it. But you still need to find the ability to move forward to find forgiveness in your heart. Because if you don't, unforgiveness and bitterness will destroy your heart. So in some level, without re-engaging an abusive relationship, you need to find the ability to forgive and move on in your own journey. If you're trying to figure out, how do I take those steps? I want to find that, that, that healing in the relationships in my life, but I just don't know what step I should take. Can you stop by the Next Steps Canopy? after the service, and we have some great people there to really help identify some great next steps for you to begin that healing process. But please know this, unresolved hurt in your life will only cause more damage in your, in your heart and in all future relationships. Every relationship in your life is closely connected because we were created for relationships. And every relationship you have is closely connected. And if you don't find healing in this relationship, that hurt will be delivered to this relationship. And so you need to find that healing because it will just compile and compile and compile and it will become overwhelming. But when you find healing in the brokenness, there you see grace in action. There you see forgiveness. Dan, what did grace look like for you? Well, this is grace. Living, I'm living in grace. I'm living in a, a reality where God is using the worst things about me I'm most shamed of to glorify him. He's using the worst things about me to help others find hope and motivation to heal. That's awesome. He's given me purpose that's out, bigger and outside of my own ambitions. He's given me my family. I am so close, beyond close, with my in-laws. And then down the line, family. And it's just been this momentum and train. Everyone just getting more and more excited about what God's doing. Because everybody just thought this was impossible and it's been a witness. So to be a witness has been undeserved grace. Absolutely. And it's amazing because we don't want, want to allow our past bad choices to define who we are. But our bad choices can be transformed into amazing stories. 
an amazing life transformation. You know, Dan, he left the construction company that built our facility um, because God led him down an amazing path where he started his own business, a new business, uh, construction business with the, with the focus of giving those who are following the same journey of coming back out of being incarcerated to have a second chance, to get back into society and find grace in action. And it's just amazing to see Dan transform his story and to not just share his story to, to be a blessing to others, but to truly be grace in action to other people who are following that same path and to seeing that in action. So it's just so amazing to have you here. You know, fixing broken relationships, it's grace. And in the old hymn, Amazing Grace, John Newton penned these words. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. To fix broken relationships, it's allowing God's grace to transform your heart and allowing that to become a transformation in the lives of those around you. You gotta take the step. You gotta allow God to do his work. You gotta run towards him and let his grace begin to take, become an action point in your life. And watch what he begins to do. Watch just as Dan's story, when the impossible happened, watch the impossible become a possibility in your life as well. But you gotta run towards Jesus. Dan, I thank you so much for being here. Will you guys thank Dan for his time with us? And it's no lie, getting his first steps out of being incarcerated was a very emotional and a very God-driven journey. And so we just want to show you a quick video of that process and how it all began. Thank you. <laughs> 